It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on the... We're trying hard to make it true, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. All right, Brian, so I started JJ Delaney's tribute show with a quote from Brian Cody, a very complimentary one. And I'm going to start this one with a quote from Jimmy Barry Murphy, who we're going to talk to later on the show. I've been watching hurling for the past 35 years or so, and I can say without hesitation, I have never seen better than Brian Corcoran. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I've actually seen that quote from uh, from Jimmy before. And, uh, you know, I've always had great respect for, for Jimmy. And, uh, you know, it's nice to, to get a compliment right that from uh, from someone like Jimmy Ryan Murphy absolutely yeah so that, I think he said this after the 1999 season you were player of the year and man of the match in the All-Ireland final um, not sure when he said it uh, but uh, that, that could be the case yeah <laughs> so uh, JJ Delaney was a late bloomer right so just going back at his show you definitely weren't a late bloomer because you played four years at minor level for the Cork hurling team and you played three for the football um, team, which is incredible in itself. You were in midfield um, at the age of 15 and won an All-Ireland Minor Hurling uh, Championship. Yeah, we didn't actually win. Uh, we were beaten by Kilkenny in the final that year. That was 1988, a uh, long time ago now. Um, and that was a that was a great Kilkenny team. It was uh, Pat O'Neill and uh, DJ Carey, Adrian Rowan and Charlie Carter. Um, so, you know, names that would not be very successful at senior level after. Uh, but yeah, my introduction to the intercounty scene was was that, that minor team in, in 1988. Uh, you know, it was, obviously I was very young at 15, but, um, you know, it was kind of big for my age and uh, obviously wasn't as strong as an 18-year-old, but I was able to kind of manage and survive. Yeah, but it'd be unusual for Cork to play a 15-year-old at minor, though. 
Yeah, it was it was unusual. Uh, not sure, you know, how often it's happened, but um, but to be to be very honest, I mean, at the time, uh, I didn't think I was ready for it. Um, I was playing with Midland CBS. We had won the Hearty Cup that year, and I was actually playing cornerback. Um, and uh, I got a I got asked to go for a trial, and I actually turned down uh, the trial because I just thought I was too young. Um, and then we. Uh, I actually went to the first round, uh, Cork played Waterford down in Middleton and my two teammates, uh, Timmy Keller and John Dillon playing on it. So I went to watch um, and then I got I got a call back for uh, for another kind of uh, trial game uh, the week before the month's final against Tipperary. And again, I reluctantly went um, and, uh, you know, did okay in the game and uh, we played we played Middleton in the minor the minor hurling championship, and uh, I did well that night against. Uh, there was there was six or seven of the Midland team on on the minor team on the Cork minor team. So so I got asked to, to go play a trial game. That went okay, and then to my shock, I was on the Thursday night. I was uh, told I was playing midfield the following Sunday, um, and that was my kind of first uh, game as uh, you know with, with a in a stadium with a full crowd uh, scenario, and uh, it was certainly nerve-wracking um but you know i was lucky to be part of a, a core team i remember i was actually marking michael ryan uh you know from Tipperary uh in that game at midfield and uh you know we we got a few goals and, uh, and won that game and uh, that was kind of the start of it um so i got a i was lucky to be part of a, a good team and uh you know i missed all of the the pre-season stuff and literally just came on the panel a week before the, the month final and ended up in the team. It was not sure how it happened or why it happened, but, uh, you know, it happened and it was, uh, it was the start of my career, really. Start of a fair role. Like, I mean, what, I, I'm not sure if, even if you can remember at this stage, but a 15-year-old sleeping the night before playing in Croke Park in an all-earned all final, like, I mean, I'd say you didn't sleep a wink. Yeah, it was... Uh, I would say the um, that the muscle final actually was was my first big game, and I I remember going into the dressing room physically shaking, um, and you know I'm generally not nervous, and uh, you know later in years I wouldn't be I wouldn't have been nervous like that, but uh, at that day I remember wondering uh, how I was actually going to hold the hurley running the field, but um, but again once you get out there and once the game starts you kind of get into it. The the All Ireland final was. Kind of, uh, you know, the first time going up to Dublin the night before, staying in a hotel, and uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I didn't sleep much that night uh, from nerves as well. Uh, but it was, it was a fantastic experience. Obviously, that was the old Crow Park, yeah. And uh, you know, it was great to have uh, have been in in the old and new Crow Park. Um, so yeah, it was uh, great times, long time ago. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, you mentioned it played four to four years hurling, we didn't actually win win a minor all Ireland ended up uh, losing two finals we lost in in 88 to Kilkenny we got annihilated by Clare in the Munster Championship in 89 um, in uh, 90 we, we lost we drew, we drew Kilkenny in the in the first game first all Ireland final we lost the replay and uh, 91 then we, we lost in Munster to Tipperary so four years without, uh, without winning a medal and uh, you know the two final defeats came against Kilkenny um, which you know would uh, 
Again, some of the players that obviously would meet uh, in in years later at senior level as well. So um, it was a good learning, and it definitely gave me, you know, losing those those games and those finals definitely gave me hunger for uh, for later years. So you mentioned 1991. That was your last year at minor. And I was reading that in 1991, between your club, between the under-21 hurling, under-21 football, minor hurling, minor football, um, you were playing with 13 teams in the one season. Like, you must have been getting pulled in all all directions. Yeah. And, I mean, there, were, there was, you know, college teams as well, um, you know, between kind of freshers and, and the senior teams in college. But it, it was different times where you just you just got on with it and, you know, playing three or four games a week or playing two games in a day or, you know, two games in a weekend was just uh, kind of the norm. Um, wouldn't uh, wouldn't recommend it these days, but, um, you know, at the time, I didn't kind of see anything wrong with it. I loved doing it and uh, yeah. I enjoyed doing it. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, it, it probably did have an impact and, you know, people talk about burnout and, uh you know, I don't think I physically burnt out, but mentally it, it was kind of uh, wearying. And um, and at the end of the day, when it comes to you know, you can't you can't train with with fourteen teams all at once. So sometimes no. you're you know you're 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 going out to play a game with a team that you haven't really trained with, and and that can be uh, that can be challenging as well. Or you're you're taking the place of of somebody who's uh, who's been training all along so um, that, that you know it's a can be, can be an awkward situation and, and sometimes as well looking back on it I mean the managers didn't didn't always uh, obviously every manager is kind of looking out for their own team so managing the managers was was a challenge as well and uh, you know I learned very early on that um, you know I kind of had to uh, I had to stand up for myself and uh, you know if if, if there was uh, a training session where I was tired or if uh, I wasn't feeling well. Um, you know, I had to kind of yeah, take a stance and uh, and make sure I wasn't kind of killing myself because uh, you know back then, you know, a lot of the manager's attitude was you know no pain, no gain, and uh, if you don't train hard, you don't get to play, and and uh, you know some managers would expect you to train with your college during the day and then go train with the with the, with the senior team that evening, and uh, you know that's not necessarily. Uh, wasn't sustainable, so um, you know I I had to kind of take a strong stance early on, um, where you know to, to try and look after myself, and uh, that wasn't always popular, um, but you know I felt that I needed to do that at times. Right. Okay. Like I mean, you talk to some players as they're younger and they go up to the field um, with a bag of slitters or a bag of balls. I suppose you wouldn't have even had time to do that because you were playing with two or three different age groups in hurling and in football. Like you were honing all your skills in matches. So I suppose in that way, there was a, a would be a, would have been a rapid improvement in your in you know in the standard of your play maybe. Yeah, I mean, but I suppose back in my my teenage years, I mean. You know, I live next door to the Aaron's own pitch. Uh, that's basically what I did. Uh, for, you know, if I uh, kind of brought the hurley to school, um, you know, lunch breaks you were playing, after school you were playing. Um, you know, even in the evenings when when you didn't have games with my friends, would be we'd be out on the road hitting balls, or you know, there was there was an old house over the road with kind of a 
you know, broken windows and things like that. And we'd be we'd be hitting the ball through the windows for target practice. So so even when when I wasn't in games, uh, I was I always had a hurl in my hand. Um, so even when we were out socially talking, we were we were kind of poking a ball around. Um, so that that, would, that kind of helped to hone the skills as well. Um, which and I as I say, it wasn't didn't, we didn't see it as as training. It was just what we loved. And uh, yeah. you know, if we walked to the shop. Uh, a mile down the road, we'd we'd hit the ball down in front of us and uh, do do the puck follow down the road before the puck follows even existed. So uh, <laughs> it was just just a kind of a labour of love, and and that that's all I knew really. Yeah, is that happening as a matter of interest in Cork at the moment? Do children carry hurdles hurdles everywhere with them? Uh, you don't really see it, to be honest. Uh, in fact, I think it's probably a long time since I've seen it. Um, you know, if I walked to the shop now, I you see people. You see guys walking against you, throwing a rugby ball or kicking kicking a soccer ball up the road, but you rarely see guys with hurleys on on the road. Um, and you know, there's, there's obviously so much choice that that young people have these days. Um, back in my day, we didn't have the choice. Uh, it was, you know, as I say, I lived next door to to the GA pitch, so it was, it was hurling and football, and and that was it. Yeah, you made, so 1992 you came straight out of minor and went into the senior team and you ended up winning player of the year Jesus, this was some trajectory for your career wasn't it you, you cleaned out Pat Fox who had been player of the year the previous year you were given free taking duties like I mean you were, there was a lot being thrown on you at a young age yeah um, I suppose the previous year I kind of got an introduction to it because um, I was obviously minor the previous year and we we had uh, we'd been beaten in the minor hurling championship, and uh, uh, Father O'Brien or Kenneth O'Brien at the time was the was the senior coach, and he asked me to uh, to come out to the senior team in '91, just after the minor championship. So, so I kind of got exposure to the whole setup in '91 um, as a sitting on the bench, um, and I remember uh, being down in Parky Key for the for the Cork Tip game, sitting on the bench and. And uh, at that time, he was looking at me as a centre forward. So, you know, if I was going to play or if I was going to come on, I was going to be coming on at centre forward. And uh, I remember sitting in the bench that day thinking, I'm not ready for this. Um, you know, I was still, still only uh, just turned 18 and, uh, and the intensity of the game and, you know, just the, you know, a lot of the, the names that were out there, I didn't think I was ready. Um, and, uh, you know, Luckily for me, in hindsight, I, I didn't get brought on, and uh, you know I missed the that was the drawn game in, in Parky Keeve, and I missed the replay because the uh, it clashed with the the Monster Football Final that year. So I was playing in the in in the minor football final, so I missed the replay and Cork Tippy Cork uh, in that famous game up up in Perth. Yeah. Um, so that kind of gave me an introduction to the whole setup in '91, and then. Uh, back in back in those days, you played three three rounds of the league before before Christmas. Um, so I, I kind of played those games at the back end of '91, right. and then I was um, I, I kind of played all the league at the start of '92 as as a cornerback. Uh, I played a couple of rounds half forward, and then then they moved me back cornerback. Um, so by the time championship came around, I had kind of almost established myself on the team. So. Um, you know, I was a lot more confident and, and felt that uh, uh, that I could fit in. Um, you know, the that game against Pat Fox. I mean, the, the, that was actually the, the second the uh, the second game uh, we we played Kerry in the first round, I believe. Um, so that that you know, I did get a 
an initial championship game before going into the Calderon against Tip. And uh, but you know, in reality, I, I had nothing to lose. I mean, Pat Fox had the clue who I was. Um, you know, I felt the pressure was on was on him. There was no pressure on me as such. And uh, you know, luckily again, it was a very experienced car team. And uh, you know, that was my first game. There was no first big game. We'll say there was no back door at the time. And uh, we came through that game, and uh, you know we beat Limerick in, in the Munster final, and um, I think it was down in the semi final. All of a sudden, we were we were in another final against uh, Kilkenny. Um, so it was, you know, as I say, the '91 season definitely helped being involved for 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 that while to to get me uh, sort of uh, aligned with what what the intensity of the senior game looked like, and and uh, by the time '92 came, even though I was only 19. Uh, you know, I felt that I was ready for it at that stage. Right. So that's your third All Ireland uh, final to lose to Kilkenny. So it must be starting to piss you off now at this stage. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> the All Ireland colleges in '88. So we won the Harpy Cup, uh, which is the Munster Colleges in '88, and uh, St Kieran's beat us in the final that year. And again, that was the Patternies, the DJs, and the Adrian Ronans. And um, so yeah, Kilkenny were always kind of the the uh, the nemesis as such. Um, so yeah, you know, I always had huge respect for Kenny Orling, and uh, you know, if, if anything, it kind of forced us to uh, to raise our standards. So you mentioned being slightly burned out, maybe not physically but mentally, and like I mean, you retired in two thousand and one at twenty eight. Um, you were after beating Kilkenny in '99 in the All Ireland final, and like I mean, there's work was a factor. Just being burnt out mentally, I suppose, was a factor as well. Yeah, um, like back back in those days, there was no back door. Uh, you know, you got one shot of this, and uh, yeah. so we won the other in '99. In in 2000, uh, you know, we won Munster and got to the the semi final, and you know, we we uh, lost to Offaly, um, who who we'd beaten the year before, uh, and uh, you know that was that was a game that uh, you know I didn't play well in, and. Uh, I remember, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't fit. Um, you know, I had an ankle injury during the summer, and and I wasn't fit. So, uh, you know, I felt this, um, that I didn't want to go, go and go to Crow Park again for a game like that without being fit. So, so normally during the winter, I kind of uh, tended to take it a bit easy um, and get a bit lazy over the winter. But uh, the winter two thousand of two thousand into the two thousand and one season. Uh, was probably the the hard one of the hardest kind of uh, winter training seasons I put in. Um, so coming into 2001, um, you know, I felt that I was uh, I was fit. I was fit in January, which was you know really wasn't normally the case. And uh, but I broke a finger in the first challenge game in January, and uh, you know I was out for whatever that was five or six weeks, and and then I came back and we uh, we played. Uh, Wexford on Wexford Park in the league, um, and uh, uh, broke my finger again. Um, so the same I, one. I missed the first, the same one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I missed the uh, the first round of the the championship against Limerick. No, I came on at halftime, but I, I couldn't start the game because I had a splint on. Yeah. And uh, and we lost we lost that game. And I remember after that game thinking. This is not worth it um, because I had just put in at that stage probably eight months of the hardest kind of training I'd put in, and 
got um, you know one chance season over and uh, around the same time as well my um, my my mother had just been kind of diagnosed with terminal cancer uh, my uh, my first daughter Kate was born um, so I was just really questioning you know, the the sanity of uh, you know putting all of this commitment and effort in uh, to to get potentially one game in the summer uh, or maybe not even get that game um, so. That that's uh, I remember coming out of the uh, dressing room in 2001, getting into the the car, and I think we were going back to uh, Jury's Hotel at the time, and uh, I made my mind up in the car that that was I wasn't I wasn't doing it again. Didn't tell anybody, uh, but I, I made my mind up that day, and um, you know I played the club championship that year was. When we were out of it, whatever in August, um, I knew that I wasn't. That was the end of it, and it was, it was, you could say the the years of build up of of burnout or playing all those games or doing all that training. But ultimately, it was, it was that that kind of that year, that's family, the injuries, yeah, sport balance, injuries, and yeah. just wasn't worth it to me, and uh, and I wasn't enjoying it, and and to be honest, I was starting to get kind of cranky. Um, on the field even and uh, you know I was giving out the refs and when that wouldn't normally be my style so I was going out on the pitch and you know I just wasn't uh, wasn't enjoying it towards the end um, and because of the commitment and because of what we're you know as I say um, you know when my mother was diagnosed it kind of gives you a perspective on life as well so um, so I just felt at that stage it just wasn't worth it and I wasn't enjoying it enough to uh to put that level of effort in. So, right, and and you found yourself getting cranky on the field when uh, in the year after the All Ireland winner in two thousand and one or uh, two thousand and one. Yeah, two thousand and one. Right, just just a frustration. And was there a frustration as well, Brian, because you were such a dominant centre back, and you were Player of the Year in ninety nine? The teams would have stopped put put poking it down on top of you and would have tried to take you out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember uh, remember playing a club game against uh, against Finn Bars and Jor Cunningham was in goal for the Bars, and uh, you know, obviously Jor was a great goalkeeper, but there was no way he was he was poking a ball down the top of me. So, but I remember just being frustrated that evening um, because uh, I felt I had no control over over the game or over over how he performed because the ball just never came my way. And uh, you know, no matter what I tried to do, um, trying to get involved, the ball just just poked it away from where it was, and uh, that, that definitely definitely got frustrated with that as well. Um, and that's I suppose when I when I did come back, that's one of the reasons why you know I kind of uh, wanted to play forward in the forward lane because uh, you know I wasn't at the mercy of whether the the opposition were, were keeping the ball away from me or not. Um, but you know, I mean, I I wanted to be a ball player. I wanted to be on the ball, and uh, when I was in, when I was playing, and and I wasn't uh, wasn't getting the ball, or the ball wasn't coming my way. Um, you know, I was getting frustrated with that, and and uh, you know, it wasn't good enough to me that you know my, my obviously if I wasn't getting the ball, my man wasn't getting the ball, so my man wouldn't score. But that to me still wasn't good enough because I wasn't enjoying it and I wasn't get wasn't getting on the ball and wasn't getting to play play the game the way I wanted to play it. So that definitely uh, led to some uh, frustration as well. Absolutely. 
Right, okay, that's yeah, you're if you're not enjoying it, maybe I don't you played cornerback for a while, so you must have kind of known. Well, I suppose a cornerback you hurl a bit of ball too, depending, you know, as well. Yeah, to be honest, I, I hate a cornerback, I never saw myself <laughs> as a cornerback. Um, no, I, I, uh, I mean, obviously, it, it, it was great to get on the team, and that was my entry point, but uh. If if uh, if I'd been told that my career was to uh, was to be a cornerback for the rest of my career, I probably would have retired when I was twenty. <laughs> I saw you in the the All Ireland the football match. We did a nostalgia show on it there recently, and you're running around after Joe Brawley, and I was just thinking, geez, Brian Corker is not enjoying that at all. He he wants to be in the halfback line. Yeah, and, and to be honest, uh, it was worse than football. Um, like playing cornerback in football was was a nightmare. Um, and uh, you know, again, I you know, some people might call it, you know, being you know, naivety or whatever. But uh, you know, I, I I wanted to play the ball, um, and I wanted to if I was going to beat somebody, I wanted to beat them fair and square. Uh, and I I wasn't a, a jersey puller, um, and no interest in that. And if I had to resort to that, then 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 I, I didn't want to play it again. Um, and I felt that, that you know, at that point, you know, a lot of the, the best cornerbacks in in the country were used to be hanging off the corner forwards, and uh, that just wasn't my style. Um, you know, I couldn't look somebody in the face after a game uh, and shake their hand if I'd been if I'd been dragging off them for the for for the hour. Um, so my philosophy was go out and try and beat, you know, try and get out in front and try and try and beat the person. And and sometimes that was easier in hurling than it was in football because football was you know, slower and more deliberate, and uh, you know, obviously the uh, the the ball was was the, the guys out the field had more time to, we'll say, pick out the uh, the the door rallies of the world and play the ball to their advantage. And um, so I never, I never, I, I mean, I I detested. I would use that word. I detested playing in the fullback <laughs> lane in 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 football. But uh, and how it came about was again. I mean, I suppose. From my early childhood, I was kind of big and strong for my age. So, um, you know, I got kind of thrown in at centre back in those types of positions. But in uh, in 1990, uh, like in in 89, when I came on the football team, I was playing. I was actually full forward, corner forward. In 1990, I was centre forward, and then in uh, 91, um, Eamon, Eamon Ryan was the was the coach, and Eamon came to me and said, "Look, we're we're stuck for a full back." Um, would you would you try full back? And I'd never play full back in football. But again, I was I was the kind of person that you know I consider myself a team player. And uh, you know if the if the coach asks you will you will you play somewhere, my attitude was if that's what you need me to do, that's what I do. So so I went back full back on on that minor team and uh, and struggled to get away from that position for for years after because um, you know when it came to the, the senior team. Uh, I was kind of either fullback or cornerback, and uh, but I I I could never say I enjoyed it, um, and uh, you know I always wanted to be kind of out, further out the field, uh, but at the time you know Stephen O'Brien was was centre back uh, for Cork, and he was you know an awesome player, and uh, you know so centre back position wasn't wasn't available, um, so it was it was again take take whatever position you're, you're offered, um, but looking back in this I. Uh, I really didn't like playing cornerback or, or, or fullback. Yeah, I'm no, I'm laughing, Brian, because you're. I'm, I feel the exact same. I play anywhere bar the bar cornerback. You're marking. Uh, you're marking a 
a little corner forward and there is no enjoyment. If you like to get your hands on the ball, there's no enjoyment. Come here. You may, I didn't realise. I thought when you made the comeback then and you went full forward that this was a bit of a, a, a shock move, but it wouldn't have been to you then. You, you obviously would have played in midfield with your club and play, you, would have, you would have played in the forwards at underage. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I had a choice in underage, I, I would have played in the forwards all the time. But um, but again, because of probably, you know, size and strength, the, I, I tended to get put in the back line. Right. Um, but uh, but centre forwards um, would have been my kind of favourite position, um, you know, growing up. And uh, I rarely got to play there. And, uh, you know, even for, for Cork, uh, I would have loved to play centre forward. But never really uh, got the opportunity as I say when I came on the scene initially Father Brian was looking at me as a, as a centre forward but within within six months he had me back corner back and, um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for whatever, whatever. I obviously wasn't impressing him. Yeah, you must. Yeah, yeah, you must. You, whatever your sins were, he punished you anyway. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I always wanted to play forward, but never got the opportunity. So, um, I, I mean, I did at club level, but not not at not into county level. And so, when I, when I was coming back then, that was that was the uh, the only thing that was going to bring me back was to. Do you, you must have enjoyed those three years back then immensely you know two obviously the two All-Irelands and three All-Ireland finals in a row but you know playing up front and just enjoying it yeah it was great uh, it was kind of new, new lease of life new challenge and uh, you know I, obviously I, I, I'd been out for kind of nearly three years and literally hadn't touched a hurley during that time I wasn't playing with my club either so you took a complete um, break Pre break, yeah, and uh, put on put on a bit of weight and got on face and all that good stuff. Um, so uh, you know the I suppose back in 2003, Donald O'Grady had taken over and he rang me uh, to know what I what I'd come back and I can I told him I wouldn't come back and thank them for for the offer, but uh, but I was I was done and, and I was finished. And what triggered and, uh, you? What triggered you to change your mind then? Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, the Cork uh, got to the All Ireland in 2003 against Kilkenny, and I was sitting in the upper deck of the the Hogan, and I was I was happy to be there. I was comfortable to be there. I was, you know, you know, you, you, sometimes it's not really until the big day whether you, when you realise, oh, have I made a mistake here? But I was I was quite happy sitting up and up in the stand, um, because you know, not saying I wouldn't have liked to have been down there, but when you when you think of the nine works of hard, nine months of hard work it would take to have gotten there, yeah, uh, I wouldn't have so I wouldn't have swapped it. So I was I was happy in in sitting in the stand. Clark lost the game. Um, <clears throat> I went back out to uh, City West just to give my condolences to the team. Uh, I actually parked out there and I got the bus in, so I waited for the team and uh, you know I was I was. Just about head home, so I kind of spoke to some of the players and uh, walked walked out the door, and I was just about to get into my car to drive back to Cork. And Tom Barry, who was um, great Corkman living in Dublin, was organ- he, he was the organizer of the uh, of the uh, the social event that evening, and he came back out and he followed me out and he said, "Would you would you like to come into the to the social?" And I said, uh, "Like I was wearing a jersey, and I, I didn't have any other clothes with me." and uh, I said I've only got a jersey on me, and he said, oh, "Who cares? Come, come on in." So he brought me in, and uh, I actually ended up sitting with the players and kind of spent the evening with the players. And and uh, the following evening, when they came back in the train, I kind of met them again and went out and uh, 
it just triggered something. So literally within within 24 hours, um, you know, it kind of triggered uh, something within me in terms of, you know, um, maybe maybe there's a spark here somewhere. Um, and after seeing 2003, I was pretty, don't know what it was, but I just, I, in my own mind, I felt Cork was going to win the other in 2004. Um, and then it was kind of okay. Do I do I want to be involved in that? And obviously there was no guarantees of even getting back on the panel and getting back on the team. Um, there was a new excitement around there because you know uh, Satanto Halpine was on the team, and and uh, you know there was there was a new style, and uh, so that was kind of exciting. So um, I kind of made my own mind up that uh, I'd start training again. I was kind of training at night in the dark. Getting closed doors, didn't tell anybody. Um, I miss. Uh, I, I was going to the gym and we were just running to Donald Cusack and we were kind of training together. And uh, and there was no mention of. I never said to him that I was I was coming back. Um, right. And, did, it, and did, uh, did did any of the players when you were having a few pints with them the Sunday night or the Monday that would any of them drop it to you there saying, "Geez, you're only thirty, um, thirty one next year. Will you come back?" Yeah, I mean, there was a few people said it, and and uh, um, you know, or you know, you still have something to contribute and and that kind of thing. But uh, but in my own mind, um, you know, it was I suppose it was it was kind of the the feeling of you know the the is there something I can do to help? I mean, at that point, um, you know, the, the thought of getting back on the team um, was was kind of furthest thing from my mind it was like okay you know can I, can I get back on the panel and even be some form of impact sub or, or whatever and that and I was willing to do that and uh, and I was willing to also willing for it to fail and because you know people I mean I did have people calling to my house telling me don't do it um, you're crazy you're not you know you're uh, you've been out for too long and uh, you're, you're too unfit and this kind of stuff um, but you know once I put my mind to it uh, worked really hard, and uh, I wasn't afraid of, of failure. If it if it if it blew up on my face, I was right. willing to accept that. I was actually um, I was actually reading uh, an article Tomas Mulcahy wrote at the time, and he was it was complimentary about your comeback. He was saying that you definitely have a role to play, but he was saying the game is getting faster every year, so it'll be considerably quicker than what he was used to playing in. Not too many fellas make a fist of a comeback, and you'd hope he wouldn't fall on his face. Now that's a cork man. And then obviously there was Diddy Cahill comments and stuff like this. Was there pressure on you that you're coming back, Brian? Or were you like, like you said, you're not afraid of failing? I wouldn't again. I wouldn't have said there was pressure. Um, again, it was, it was in my mind. It was okay. Can I, can I put the shoulder to the wheel to help the, the greater movement? We'll say, and uh, you know, if it means, you know, just giving advice to the younger players or just being a presence in the dressing room or, or coming on as an impact sub. Would you be happy, would you have been happy with the internet or the impact sub knowing the, that you like to enjoy it and get your hands on the ball, you know what I mean, be involved in the game? Would, would, mentally, were you prepared to be an impact sub or were you saying, I won't enjoy it unless I'm starting? I would say before I retired, um, you know, I had no interest in being a sub. I wanted to be on the team and uh, I wouldn't have been happy if I wasn't on the team. But because I'd been out for three years, Right. Um, you know, coming back, I, 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 again, there was there was no guarantee I was even going to make the panel. So the goal was to was to get back on the panel. 
and 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 I found out afterwards. I mean, you know, Don O'Grady rang me again in 2004 because uh, he knew I was back training. Um, you know, would I come back? And and I told him I would, uh, but I would only come back if he if he considered me as a forward. And uh, obviously there was no guarantees, um, but but he agreed to consider me as a forward. And I said, you know, no matter what happens, um, you know, even if you know, Ronan Curran gets injured. I'm, I don't want to say, you know, you need to see me as a forward, not, not as a centre back. And he, he agreed to that. And that was, that was, that was, that was perfect. Um, but I suppose there was a few things happened then. We'll say after I had kind of decided that, that I was going to try and get back, Satanta ended up, uh, you know, leaving to go play Aussie Rules and Alan Brown, who'd been on the team, he, he retired. So all of a sudden there was a couple of positions. Uh, right. So you decided, you available. Right, you decided you were going back before you knew Satanta was leaving. I thought pressure might have come on you then when that happened. No, actually, to be honest with you, Satanta was one of the reasons why I wanted to go back. Um, because, you know, I spoke to him the night of the All Ireland in 2003, and he was, you know, such an exciting player and he was bringing the buzz. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be part of it. And, uh, and so I had decided to go back in my own head, I decided to go back to, to be involved. Uh, that was before, so I was actually disappointed when I heard Satanta wasn't going to be around, and uh, and also Alan Brown. Alan Brown was uh, you know a great warrior for for Cork over the years, and uh, you know he decided to to not uh, play 2004, and um, that that obviously opened up uh, potential positions on the on the team. But um, you know I was disappointed to see Alan go. Alan go. Like I mean, you were so good in the air. And that 04, 05 team weren't exactly known for getting it in, getting it in uh, too long. So obviously you had to make the most of, you know, the balls that you did get. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, uh, you know, that was kind of the start of the, sort of the running style. Um, and in a lot of times it wasn't, uh, you know, playing the full four lane wasn't, wasn't the best you know for that style sometimes but um but it was all about the the team and uh it was all about um you know how the team performed you get the odd clear- was- you get the odd clearance off the rock anyways yeah yeah absolutely um and uh he you know i mean obviously i was looking to be to be on t- on a team of great players and uh great players that um you know you'd you knew had your back, and if you were, you would you you knew that you'd want going if you were going into battle, and that's that's kind of the way we saw it. We were we were going into battle, and you wanted uh, you wanted guys uh, with you who who you knew had your back, uh, and that you could uh, you could rely on. And I was uh, very fortunate to have a lot of guys, you know, on, you know, across numerous teams over the years that uh, that you literally were at war with. So we were just after mentioning your comeback there um, and the two All-Irelands that you won, but there was a time when it looked like you might not win one at all. Um, that all changed in 1999 and your manager from that year, Jimmy Barry Murphy, joins us on the line now. How's it going, Jimmy? Very good, Colin, thanks. So we were talking about uh, the his Brian's comeback there and then it got me thinking of the 1990s and... He started in 1992, and it wasn't until 1999 that he made another Munster final. So, like, there must have been an awful lot of pressure on you and him coming into that 1999 season. Well, it wasn't so much pressure on, on 
on him, I suppose, because, well, on us all, because from Cork's point of view, it was a tough couple of years. And um, when I took over the senior team in 95, 96, um, after the minors, it was a very, very tough couple of years and a learning, a learning stage for me as well because I was very new to it and I made an awful lot of mistakes that time and, you know, shuffling players around and playing players in wrong positions and including Brian. We played Brian other positions on several occasions and we eventually... Um, not to any stroke of genius on my behalf. We put him back centre half back where he should have been all the time. And um, we developed a team around Brian, really. That's the basis of what we were doing. And we saw where our strengths were. And we we worked around that basis, really. And uh, the younger players we brought in responded fantastically to, to Brian as their leader, really. Right. You must have been going mad in the 90s, Brian, because like not even a Munster final between 92 and 99. And there's no backdoor, like you were mentioning. You're training all year for one match and then you're out. Yeah, it was it was very very frustrating at the time, but um, you know that's that's the way it was, uh, and uh, you know back around that time as well, you had a, you had teams in in Munster that were uh, that were getting stronger, so you had the clear clear team coming through. You had Limerick, you know, who got the two All Ireland finals, uh, so it was uh, and obviously Tipperary hadn't gone away, so uh, it was very very competitive and. Uh, you got one one boy at the cherry, um, and for for a few years it was like the annual trip to the Gaelic grounds, either playing Clare or playing Limerick, and uh, we came out the wrong side of it, and uh, you know your season over, and that's that's really how I ended up playing football, um, because the you know the hurlers were so early, and you kind of had a summer right. free, and Billy Morgan came came asking me to play the football, so. Uh, um, you know, to, to, to be involved in something. Um, but yeah, it was a tough time for, for Cork Hurling, I think for four or five years, uh, we only won one round and that was against Kerry. And, uh, um, you know, as I say, the annual trip to Limerick and, uh, you know, I, I hated the Gaelic grounds in Limerick for a few years after that. Now, what are the Cork, what are the Cork fans like in a tough period like that, uh, Brian? Are they, do you have to keep your head down or are they, are they supportive? Um, I mean, I think you know the, the Cork. Obviously, you know over the years there's been a lot of success and and expectations are high. And uh, you know there were certainly uh, you know a few days where where you know we kind of hit rock bottom. And uh, you know I think Jimmy alluded to one of them there in '86 uh, against Limerick uh, down Parky Heave was uh, was a really bad day for Cork hurling. And um, you know, if if you told any of us that day that we'd win an All Ireland within three years, uh, you know, we'd have uh, beaten your hand off for us. And um, and you know, I think you know, no matter where you go, you're going to have criticism if if you're not if you're not playing well or if you're not uh, if you're not winning. And uh, you know, car car fans are uh, have have high expectations and high standards. And uh, you know, if you're not winning, you're going to hear about it. I remember watching that 96 game. Unfortunately for you, it was on television. Um, it was on RT that day. Joe, you, your legendary status, obviously, as a player, and then with the minors, like, I mean, that that must have been shell-shocked, really, that day. My status, whatever you might call it, didn't didn't bomb-proof me from the reaction after that game. I can tell you, as Brian said there, it was, um, it was uh, as Brian alluded there, the standard in Munster, to be fair, was exceptionally high because Limerick were a very good team. Clare were brilliant under Gerald Lachnan, who had done an incredible job and the belief he brought to Clare. So they were the they were the benchmark at the time. Tipperary were just a bit under them, I think, and ourselves in Waterford were probably below that again. So 
when we played we played in the National League that those my first couple of years involved there, it was a shell shock, a, a real culture shock to me how much how we'd fallen behind and you know, learning on the job as I was I didn't do a very good job the first couple of years either. But I think after that shock of that defeat by Limerick that it opened all our eyes to to see what had to be done going forward to plan our campaign and I didn't I didn't honestly think that I would be there when we won Noller and because of the gulf in the standards of the other teams. But in fairness to the players they, they responded fantastically and uh, we made that jump and as Brian said we wouldn't have seen ourselves being all Ireland champions in two or three years after that. And uh, we went on to win the National League um, in 98. So it wasn't overnight in 99. We had great, good good campaign in 98. And then that resulted in 99. So it was a couple of years of hard learning, but um, outstanding few years from the players' point of view, really. Yeah, and even the 99 All-Ireland then, Brian, like, I mean, you did it the hard way. That's one of the hardest All-Irelands Cork would have won. Waterford, who were in the All-Ireland semi-final the year before, and Clare beat them in a replay in 98. We all know about Clare. Then Offaly defending All-Ireland champions like Kilkenny. Yeah, it was uh, it was, it was a, a kind of tough journey. And, um, and again, from my memory, like the first game against Waterford was probably the pressure game because... Uh, I think uh, at that stage there was a back door if you got to the to the provincial final, but um, but there wasn't at the first round. So uh, you know that's at least that's my memory. So I can just remember that Waterford game was uh, was a must win our our season over. And uh, uh, as uh, you know, Jimmy mentioned, we'd won the league the previous year and we actually beat Waterford in the league final. So um, that was a huge game for us and. Uh, you know, we got momentum there, and obviously the Munster final against Clare. Uh, Clare had beaten us in '93, '95, '97, um, and uh, in '97 they kind of, uh, you know, beaten us uh, pretty well. And uh, so that was a that was a huge game to to actually get over Clare in that Munster final, and then Offaly and in the semi final, Offaly were the, the defending champions, having. Um, you know, beating Kilkenny in '98, and that was that was a huge win for us. And then, obviously, you know, facing Kilkenny in the final, who who had lost Kilkenny the the previous year, so obviously they were they didn't want to lose two finals in a row. So uh, it was it was it was a massive year for us. But you know, the the team that you know Jimmy had he mentioned there, the minor team in '95, uh, you know, the likes of uh, you know. Joe Dean and Don Logan, some of those guys had had come through that team, and uh, they won a couple of under twenty ones. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight, and so so they had that winning attitude, and uh, you know that that they were used to winning and expectation of winning. Um, and there was a transition period with say from ninety six to to ninety eight. Um, you know, some of the older uh, established players kind of retired. You know, even <clears throat> Don Logue taking over from Jack Cunningham, and you'd. The Teddy Max and uh, you know Tomas Mulcahy is kind of retiring at that kind of ninety six uh, ninety seven period, um, so it it was just transitioning to a a much younger team. And I was I was only twenty six, but I was one of the older guys. I think the average age was only like twenty two, um, and I think that it was just uh, everything kind of gelled because you had the the new guys coming in with with the hunger and the belief that uh, they could succeed and. Uh, the older guys, uh, like myself, we were, we were fed up of uh, of losing and fed up of the lack of success. So um, it kind of just just gelled and and uh, you know things worked out for us in '99 and it was, it was fantastic. 
It all, it all worked. You had a bit of luck against Clare. That David Ford missed, Jimmy. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining in my head the rocker, Don Logue, must have said something to him as, as he was going to hit it. <laughs> yeah, I was on my knees watching that free. I couldn't believe he did put away. But those things happen in fairness to the lad. I mean, you know, you get a break some days and that was a one for us, certainly. And uh, at that time, I was very conscious of the fact that Clare were the best team in the country. And uh, I felt that once we were matching them, that we had a great chance of being up at the top level, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say we thought we'd win the All Ireland ranking, but yeah. uh, that was a break that day certainly. And that was, I think, that gave the players great confidence to go to Croke Park as champions of Munster was a big factor, and it, it was all a building stage in the players' development. As Brian said, he himself, Mark Landers were the older players who gave great leadership, but the younger players there was a huge, age, not a huge age gap, but relative age gap in, in playing terms. And those lads, they they were the players that Brian, you know, was. Obviously, they were the big name at centre-back for us. And if Brian played well, then the whole team responded. I'm not saying that because he's there. And I've said that before, that we needed Brian almost to be man of the match in every game. And and in fairness to him, during that campaign, he did. But uh, yeah. as you said, the Clare game was a benchmark. But then we had, a, we had an incredible game against Oxley and Crow Park, who were a, a superb side. And their their skill levels were breathtaking at times. And, uh, you know, the, the final itself was, it was a different game because the conditions were horrendous. But... The Offaly game was an extraordinarily good game, I thought, watching the sideline. And we just managed to pull out in the end, whereas they did the opposite to us the following year. Yeah, exactly. So the incredible stat from that Munster final, Brian, is that you were the only player that had a, on that Cork team that had played in a senior Munster final. Like, it's a, it's almost unbelievable. Obviously, you were there in 92. Like, were you trying to, you know, give, give the lads advice, talk them through it, or were they just taking it in their stride after winning underage? I think the, I mean, those guys who have come through, I think they they had a lot of confidence themselves. Um, and I remember Jimmy saying to me, you know, that, you know, I, I had played a number of different positions kind of the previous, uh, you know, number of years. And and uh, Jimmy had said to me that he wanted to lock me down as at centre-back. And uh, and that was kind of music to my ears. And, uh, and I remember Mark Landers, who was, who was captain in 99, he'd said to me and, in '98, the previous year, he said, "We're we're not going to win. We're not going to win anything while you're playing football. You need to commit to us." Um, and uh, that was a, a key decision point for me in '98. So I, I, you know, I decided to, to stop playing football in '98 to fully focus on on the hurling because, um, you know, I felt that, uh, you know, if we were going to beat the Clares, if we were going to beat the Kilkennys, I had to, or if I, you know, if I wanted to. To be at the level that I wanted to be, I had to I had to focus 100% on the hurling and leave the football behind. And uh, you know the 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 T I guess yeah I was I was playing centre back, but but you know you had you know you, you Sean O'Gallagher and you know the Wayne Sherlock's and you know the Ben O'Connors coming on and the the Dermot O'Sullivan's and the Jordines and the Dunlogs and I mean all household names now. Um, but you know they had the confidence, they had won it underage and. And they were they were hungry, and uh, you know you you didn't you didn't have to. Uh, do, wasn't the case that I was the I was the uh, the chief motivator or anything like that. It was the, these guys uh, motivated themselves, and uh, if anything, they, they they forced me to raise my standards. Right, uh, that's interesting, Jimmy. I thought maybe you were behind Brian retiring from the football because you actually retired from football a good few years earlier than hurling, didn't you? Well, I did. I, I, well, I, played, I retired six years before I retired from football. I played, I played football from 73 until 1980. So I had, I had a good campaign of football as well. But 
I didn't have anything to do with Brian not playing football. That was his own call. I didn't have any problem with him playing both games. But he just felt himself at the time. I think this, he, didn't, he mentioned to me after he'd opted out. I didn't discuss it with him at all. But he just felt himself that he wanted to concentrate on hurling for with the young players coming through. And he said to me, we'll give it a right go for the next year or two. And hopefully I'll be able to... Um, to raise my standards again and get back to where he wanted to be, you know, he didn't feel he had been playing. And we obviously out of position as well, but we had to build our team around him, and he he made that call himself. Right. Okay. And what was Brian like in the dressing room, Jimmy? Was he vocal or was he uh, kind no, of the leader on well, the field? No. Well, I think Brian he said it himself there. Um, these young players, the, the thing about the young players coming in, they weren't lacking in confidence at all. They were all, they were fantastic uh, young lads. I mean, Don Logue out there were incredible leaders in their own way and you saw that in later careers as well they were these lads weren't um, overawed by anyone really but there's no doubt that as I said I'm not saying this to patronise Brian there's no doubt that they looked to him as the, our leader at that time uh, on the field because he was an incredible player and you know players can go through their careers without winning in All-Ireland I mean Brian will tell you himself you've no divine right to win one and many great players all over the country never won in All-Ireland and you can go in cycles and not win one and I was saying to myself at one stage, I could be unlucky enough to be manager and Brian might not win in All-Ireland. But um, thankfully, the players responded to um, the setup we were in and uh, we, we learned an awful lot in that, in that process. So he, he didn't, Brian didn't, uh, Brian was already in many ways, he, did, he was very effective in a quiet way, talking to the players, especially the very young players coming in. He, he was a great leader to those players by his example, both on and off the field of how he conducted his life and how he behaved on the field and his preparation was meticulous always. An example to anyone of us, even to me, who had been playing for many years with Cork, that he was able at that stage to bring a level of perfection mm-hmm. to his approach that I had never seen the player at that level. But again, you saw why he was the player he was. That's why he was. And um, he was. it was more an example of his attitude, his behaviour, his presentation of himself, rather than being overly vocal. I don't think Brian was that kind of person. But they responded to him in many, many other ways. Mary, we started off the show by with a quote from you back in 1990. I think this was 1999 after that season when he won Player of the Year. He said, I've been watching hurling for the past 35 years or so. And I can say without hesitation, I've never seen better than Brian Corcoran. Um, there's 20 years have passed since. Have you seen one then? In the, <laughs> have you seen one since? Well, there's been a couple who weren't too bad in the meantime. I'm not a great man for going into comparing different eras or players of different eras and all that. But I suppose, in fairness, call him the biggest tribute I can pay to, to Brian when he came back and won an all-earned team or come full, full forward. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw him. Now, I knew he did ability because I'd seen him playing with his club at centre half forward and all that. But I thought Intercounty would be a big ask to come back. And again, when Don Lurie, if that lad played him full forward, it just proved that, um, that he, what a great player he was, that he had that ability to, um, to change positions and, and be as effective again in a, in a new role. You know, it's just, just fantastic to see it. And, well, that, uh, you know, absolutely tremendous, really. Well, that was it. I was going to ask you, were you surprised when he retired or did you see, you know, signs of it in 2000? Uh, Brian was telling me earlier that he kind of started, well, it was 2001 when he kind of got a bit cranky on the field. Maybe you were, you finished up at that stage. Yeah, and he was saying, I remember Brian saying to me that um, after 2000 against Offaly and Croke Park, he did say to me once that you should have probably have substituted me. And I said, well, look, maybe we, <laughs> I didn't think he was that bad, but Brian himself by his own standards, didn't think he was able to have maintained what he done the previous year. So I'd say, I would imagine from Brian, I would imagine looking at him over that period, it was a form of burnout from 92 on. 
yeah. playing football and hurling and then winning the All Ireland in '99 and then feeling it. I say burnt out for a couple of years probably and had given it everything. And uh, you know, '99 was obviously a culmination of a good few years, really hard work for for Brian and the players. And I think he just felt burnt out that they needed a break from it, which was as it turned out a great thing to do. Right. Come here. One more question before we go. The 99 team is famous for having 15 bachelors. Was this a tactic of yours that they weren't getting uh, any shit at home for going training or anything like that? Or is this pure coincidence? <laughs> it was pure luck. <laughs> I wish it was a great design on my part, but it was pure luck. Jimmy, thanks very much. It made life easier, made life easier for the boys. Probably all right. It did, Brian, I'd say. <laughs> I would say the opposite. I actually got married in 99, so... All right, uh, Steve. That was after. No, I got married in March. So so I got married in March and six months later won my first All-Ireland. So I think it's the opposite for me. Okay, I'm player of the year. Right, Jimmy, we'll let you go. Thanks very much for taking the call. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate that. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Jimmy. Cheers. So I got it wrong, a little bit wrong with Jimmy there, Brian, but it's fair to say that you were a hurling person that just happened to be good at football. You'd be more of a 70-30 or an 80-20, were you? Yeah, it's probably probably where I grew up as well. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy was with the Bars, and the Bars were senior hurling and senior football. Yeah, um, I was with Aaron Zone, and we were we were hurling. We were really a hurling club that played football, um, and so we trained for the hurling and we played the football as well. But the hurling team is generally the football team. We played the same positions, you know, bar bar one or two guys who who only play football. Um, so you know, we were junior football level and. Uh, we focused on hurling and and played football. We didn't really train for football. So we we if we were beaten in the hurling, then we might we might do the odd football training session. Um, so that's kind of how I grew up. And uh, not saying I disliked football. I mean, I liked playing football. I just hated playing in the full back line. Um, but in terms of uh, you know, I I was lucky enough to win a minor on under twenty one all Ireland in football. And, uh, you know, I, I treasure those medals as, as much as any other medal I have. Yeah. Come here, uh, just another question I meant to ask you about your comeback. Did you notice a big difference in professionalism when you came back into the squad? Because we obviously know about the Cork strike. You you actually are very lucky. You missed all the Cork strikes. <laughs> in the time you came back, there wasn't any. But there had been that big one in 02 before you came back. And that they were more player welfare issues. Did you notice a big change when you came back in? There was a big change, yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because you know people sometimes associate me with the strikes, but I actually wasn't wasn't involved in any of the strikes. Um, you know, I retired in 2001. They went on strike in 2002. I was back for four, five, and six, uh, so I was gone by the time they they striked again in, in I think it was 2008. So yeah, um, so I wasn't involved in any of that. But the, in terms of the professionalism, I would say there was. I mean, not saying that's in '99. Uh, you know, up to 2001, I think there wasn't a professional approach. It was still very demanding, and uh, but I would say the the science of it had changed by the time I came back. Um, and uh, you know, Shawnee McGrath was the was the car hurling coach at the time. And uh, when when I was uh, you know going to be full forward, I mean, the training for me was very focused on on short kind of speed bursts that I needed to do uh, for to play as a full forward. So it was like individualized training, um, individualized training based on your position, individualized training based on on your body and, you know, based on uh, your age, I guess. Um, so he wasn't expecting me to be doing the same training as 
as the the twenty one year old, um, which which I appreciated. Whereas back back in the day, everybody did the same, and yeah. you know whether you were injured or not, you trained. Uh, whereas the, the big difference that I noticed in 2004 when I went back was you actually had to you had to justify why you were able to train. Um, so, you know, we we did our resting heart rates in the morning. When we turned up for training, we had to give urine samples, um, checking not for drug testing, but checking the color of urine, checking a resting heart rate, because if if there was discoloration or if your if your resting heart rate had uh, had gone up what it should have been and maybe saying that you were coming down or you were tired. Uh, so very often you'd be told you're not training tonight. That right. that was alien to me because, you know, back in back in the day, you know, if you were uh, if you lay hanging off you, you were still expected to train. <laughs> yeah. Um so so the professionalism in terms of being more player focused and and all about performance um based on the position you're playing and that that was that was all new to me really in two thousand four. And uh, but it was great, and uh, you know I loved being part of that. Come here, I want to before we get into ten questions and finish up, Brian. I have to pull you up on a quote from your book um, about Waterford. So the quote is: "Fighting amongst themselves, relying on luck, and bringing teams down to their level." You're going to have to make a very good argument to change my mind um, and agree with you on that one. Yeah, I mean that, there was a lot of controversy about that at the time. I mean that's that was that was not my comments. That was not my quote number one. Um, and I actually don't I don't believe in it and I don't agree with it. Where when when I was writing that book in two thousand six, it was it was kind of a, a diary of the year. And we were, you know, we'd had a lot of very tough close matches at Waterford. and uh, we were playing Waterford in the uh, in in two thousand six. Um the I think it was the semi the semi final two thousand six. Yeah. Um and the night before we, we had a team room and we had a couple of minds these mind guru guys um, and uh, when I went into the team room, these posters were were up in the room. Um, so I uh-huh. was trying to talk about the mentality that teams are going through, and uh, our mind gurus were trying to get us. You know, they, they, you know, there was obviously huge competitiveness and uh, between ourselves and Waterford at the time, and the mind gurus were were uh, were trying to uh, trying to give us an edge, and and uh, you know, and to be honest, I. I didn't really buy into a lot of that mind stuff, but um, but but I put that in the book as 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 that's what was up in the wall. Now, obviously, whatever his word is, it was taken that I had said that. That's, I mean, I, I've always had the huge amount of respect for Waterford. Um, you know, some of the best players I've come across uh, have been Waterford guys. We've we had tremendous tough, great, close games at Waterford, uh, right back to the '98 league. You know, ninety nine, all the way, you know, through the. I wasn't there in two thousand three, but you know, two thousand three, two thousand four, five, six, and and subsequently, you know, there was always fantastic games between Cork and Waterford. So yeah, um, you know, that that was something that that kind of slipped through the net. We'll say when that when the book was being written, and it was something that that's uh, you know definitely regretted um, that it got in there. But but it certainly that was not a quote for me. That was uh, that was up on the wall in terms of what what the 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 psychologist guys were uh, were were trying to get us thinking, but um, you know I think there was comments in there about you know they're they're depending on luck and all this kind of stuff, and that that's I never believed that. I mean those water players were were great players, and uh, you know it was very unfortunate that some of those players never won all earns because uh, you know they were they were uh, 
they were better than a lot of players who didn't win All Ireland. That that must have annoyed you then get that getting into the book, Brian, did it? Because you sound very respectful and like you're talking about playing cornerback, not even wanting to pull a jersey, you know, to be able to look into your opponent's eye or you'd feel bad about doing it. So for that to have been in your book, I know it slipped through the net, but that must have really bothered you. It did at the time, but at the end of the day, I have to take responsibility for it because, you know, I you was, should have pre- proofread the book a bit more, yeah. Well, I did proofread it, but you know, again, when when I, as I say, I was trying to sort of give an image of what's going on in the dressing room and the kind. I mean, I'm sure Waterford was saying a lot of stuff about us, and you yeah. know, Waterford, because you know, we kind of had the the upper hand on them, so I'm sure. They weren't exactly uh, our biggest fans, um, and you know teams say different things. But the, the fact that you know it's uh, it's it got um, sort of uh, perceived that that was my view or that's what I'd said, um, because as I say, you you know the likes of and I've, you know the likes I've met some of them a lot of them since. You know you take the likes of Ken McGrath and Dan Shanahan, Tony Brown, these guys, um, you know, um, Seamus Prendergast, you know fantastic players Paul Flynn you know you could keep naming them and uh, you know utmost of respect for them Owen Kelly and uh, you know I never never had a problem with Waterford I was like playing Waterford uh, you know, it was a tough game uh, with Waterford and, and they had they had some fantastic players and players that will be remembered for years to come so um, it was uh, it was a regret of mine absolutely um, and uh, it's you know as I say my that it wasn't my style um, you know, I'm a believer in, uh, you know, don't don't say something behind someone's back that you wouldn't be willing to say it to their face. And, uh, you know, when I was on the field, I never had had issues with any of the Waterford players. Um, and I'll uh, say almost most of the respect. So that, that, the fact that that slipped through, and I say I have to take responsibility that it slipped through, but uh, that's, that was not uh, my intent. And, um, you know, that, that was not my... What was written on that poster was not something I believed. Um, right, but, again, but it, it's, it's, was, it would have been something that other panel members might have believed or the sports psychologists wouldn't have just come up with it themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, like you said, there was a huge rivalry there. So they might have been picking it up from somebody else. I'm not asking you who, who it was. No, I, I don't think the players thought that. I think it was, again, like you know, people bring in these sports psychologist guys and actually... I mean, we we one of the sports psychology guys actually ended up being with Waterford in the following years, um, you know, and he was probably saying, <laughs> changing the tune and saying the same about about the opposition team. So, so a lot of it is you know trying to trying to find an edge and and everybody's different. I mean, I I you know even we had players who you know going to going on the bus to the game they were they were listening to words that were recorded by the the psychologists you know to get them motivated and. Other people listen to music. Other people uh, were listening to kind of uh, you know movie speeches and that kind of stuff. Um, so different things worked for different people. And uh, you know, I just I was more you know relax and uh, look at, enjoy the scenery on the way to the bus because um, you know for me list, listening to something an hour and a half before the game it wasn't going to make a difference on how I performed really um, an hour and a half later. So, but everybody's different and some people need that, that relaxation or that those comforting words from a third party to, to calm the nerves or whatever. But, um, so, but, but I don't, I don't believe anybody in the, in the court team 
uh, you know, disrespected Waterford in any way. We knew every time we went out, we had a huge battle on our hands. I mean, um, you know, Cork, Cork won in 2003. They beat us in the Munster final in 2004. We beat them uh, later on that year. Uh, oh, sorry, they um, they ended up being beaten by Kilkenny. We went down and won the other and through the back door. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, we did huge battles with them, two battles in 2005. We had battles in 2006. You know, I think there was only a point or two in those games. Uh, they were very close and, and we got out with the, by the skin of our teeth. So um, there was absolutely no disrespect on, on, on Cork or on my behalf in relation to playing Waterford because every time we went in there, we knew we were we were going to have to perform to a very high level to get, to get past it. Okay, great stuff, Brian. You've cleared that up fairly well. We'll come back with 10 questions. I remember after the the final, I, was, uh, I was through the morning, my nephew was out in the lawn and he was taking freeze with his socks pulled up pretending to be TJ Reid and uh, <laughs> fairly brought me back down to turf that day anyway. All right, so the 10 questions round, Brian. Question one is, if you weren't playing for Cork, what county would you like to have played for? Uh, Kilkenny, considering okay. they won everything around them. Uh, <laughs> Kilkenny, might have a few more others. That's a, that's a surprising answer, actually, I have to say. But OK, fair enough. You couldn't possibly pick a team in Munster, I suppose. So, um, OK, number two, worst ever game. Well, well, well if Tipperary had won... Ten dollars in the last whatever number of years I would have picked Tipperary, so it's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm following the gold. <laughs> Question two: Worst ever game? Um, oh, worst ever game. I suppose it's not great when 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 a number comes to mind. Um, <laughs> but I would say in my own mind, dollar uh, in semi final, two thousand against Offaly. Really? And were you put back in the corner that day, was it reading? Or how were you so bad that day? Or I don't remember that game. Uh, yeah, I, I started centre-back and uh, I, my memories actually started started well enough. There was three or four balls came down, I caught three, three or four balls. But I remember uh, going in a solo run up the field and uh, uh, I struggled to get, to get back. Um, I just wasn't fit and uh, I'd had an ankle injury that summer and hadn't trained right. as much as I should have. And uh, so I wasn't I wasn't where I needed to be and literally ran out of gas and uh, I, ended, I, I think I might have got a wing back and even ended up corner back but uh, I probably should have been taken off that day because I just wasn't fit uh, for the full 70 minutes and uh, it showed okay it was kind number, of embarrassing in the end number three most difficult opponent you're allowed to give two because you're allowed to give a back and a forward um, very hard question I mean I've Come across so many, so many difficult. I mean, there's no. I've never met an easy opponent, to put it that way. And, and I've come across some, some, some great players. Um, one guy that that you might find surprising actually um, is you know the uh, Christy Walsh. They said the forward for Kerry. Uh, we played Kerry a few times, and Christy was 
was a strong, really strong, physically unorthodox guy, you know, you know, kind of a kitog left-hander, but he'd a hand like a shovel, and uh, you know, we we had we had some great, great battles, and uh, and you know, when we went played played Kilkenny or Kerry, so you you kind of expected to if it to be an easy game and uh, and to win it comfortably uh, in in hurling, but um, but you know, I always had uh, kind of tough battles with Christie, so. Um, and you know he, he was a player that uh, you know could have uh, could have been uh, more of a household name if uh, if he was playing with a with another county. Very good. And when you played in the forwards, is there a defender that sticks out? Yeah, again, I'm, I'm going to mark some great great fullbacks as well. I mean, obviously, even in training, Dermot Sullivan, you know, I love Mark and Sully because you can you got to uh, measure you know where you were. Um, you know, obviously the the Brian Lawrence and Noel Hickey's, um, you know, great players, tough players, um, and uh, quite a respect for for all of them. And, and uh, you know, I always enjoyed going out marking those guys. Okay, number four. If you could sign one player for Cork during your time, who would it be? Uh, ooh, another tough question. Um, again, players against a lot of fantastic players, but one player that's. Uh, that always impressed me was Owen Kelly from Tipperary. Um, you know, class act, uh, great skills, great balance, uh, did things that other players couldn't do, um, and scored points over his shoulder effortlessly, had speed, had, had everything, and uh, really enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, he's actually our last tribute show that we did, so that's a very good choice. Um, Number five, favorite position, best position. This is probably the most uh, the most apt question for you because you've been everywhere. Yeah, I've already told you my least favorite position. Um, my, <laughs> we know that one. <laughs> my favorite position, uh, I would say, centre forward. Uh, my best position, probably centre back. Right, that's it. That's it. That's it. It's a mad that you never really played in your best in your favorite position for Cork. Yeah, I would say I would have, I would have uh, loved to have done, um, but uh, the managers had 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 different different opinions. And uh, again, my view was, you know, the manager, the coach, they're on the team. I'm I'm just one of the players, and uh, if they want to play me somewhere else, uh, you know, I have to do what's best for the team. And that, that was always the way I approached it. What about the number six is the hardest, dirtiest player you've marked? Now, I mean hardest and dirtiest in the best possible way. You'll be coming off the field uh, black and blue. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I see I see hard and dirty as two very different things. Uh, and, uh, you know, came across a lot of hard players. Um, and what I consider hard is guys who, you know, play the game hard. Uh, they'll hit you hard, uh, but, but they'll only hit you when the ball is there. Um, and the way I looked at it is, if I had the ball, you know, I was I was fair game. And if someone came with a with a you know, trying to take me out with a tough challenge, that was that was part of the game. Never had a problem with that. Um, and you know, lots of guys, you know, we mentioned Brian Lohan there, you know, tough tough guy, Mike Hoolahan from Limerick, Ken McGrath, um, you know, tough players. But 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 they played as far as I was concerned, they played they played the game within the rules, and and they took no mercy. But but uh, you know they. They were willing to take as 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 much as they gave. Um, what I had no tolerance for was the guys who would uh, 
who would be more along the lines of hitting the ball, who hitting people off the ball. Uh, no tolerance for that. Um, and uh, you know, I don't consider that kind of a player as a hard player. Um, but uh, to be fair, uh, I, yeah, at inter-county level, I would have to say I, I never came across somebody uh, you know who was um, kind of he's interested in hitting me off the ball. Because um, to be honest, I mean, it's not something I would have kind of tolerated. I no yeah. problem people hit, hitting hard on the ball, but uh, I no tolerance for off the ball stuff. And and uh, you know, even maybe I came across guys that that people might have said, oh. I had a tough time marking him, but but what I always found is, uh, you know, if if you go out and you play it, you play it hard and you play it honest, and uh, you know, I never really had a problem with anybody. Maybe maybe it, maybe it's because your size, nobody wanted to start it. I'm thinking of Liam Dunn and Brian O'Mara in 2001. You never would have got had a lad kind of doing that with you, you know, kind of testing the the hurl against your hip or your ribs or anything when you're standing there. No, not as uh, not at the county level. Um, I've you know. You guys have played at a club level, um, but inter county level, I've never, never had a problem. I mean, as I say, I've got hit hard, yeah. And uh, sometimes, you know, it might be borderline, but the, but the ball would be in the vicinity, and I didn't have a problem with that. Um, it's this the ball down the other side of the field, and and the fella hitting in the back of the head. That that never happened to me, but I mean, obviously, maybe it's happened to other people, but uh, I just. That that to me is not is not hurling. That's not mindless. That's not tough. That's not hard. Um, and I, I never did it, and nobody ever did it to me. So okay, great stuff. Uh, question number seven: Best advice the manager gave you? Um, I mean, that lot obviously played for a lot of great managers over the years. Um, probably the best advice I would say actually goes back to when I started out. Uh, Coleman Dillon from Aaron's own. He was kind of a you know, everybody who came through Aaron's own would know Coleman, and uh, you know he he always uh, you know got me to have a strong focus on my weak side, whatever it was hurling or football. You know, make sure your left side and hurling was as good as your right, and make sure your left leg was strong. Um, because in his view, if you were a one-sided player, you were very predictable. So, uh, and I would have started with Coleman when I, when I was eight. So, um, you know, I always wanted to have a good left side and a good left leg in football, and I thought that was important to be. To be a more versatile player, um, so that was probably the best advice I've ever got. Okay, very good. Question eight: Player you most admired from another team? Um, again, lots, lots of lots of people. I mean, because my my career, you know, spans from the we said early nineties up to the mid two thousands. I mean, so many, so many fantastic players, and obviously you can talk about the you know the Henrys and the DJs and. And the plaudits that those guys get, and the All Irelands that they won. Um, but I would say that the uh, I'll go back to Owen Kelly um, from Tip. Uh, you know, just just always never uh, kind of uh, disappointed uh, watching him. Like the the skill, the speed, the balance, left and right, doing things that most players can't do. Um, you know, from in terms of. An opposition player, um, he was somebody I, I greatly admired. But there was lots of players that I, I mean, the, the lots of players in that the Kilkenny team. You know, even the 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 Tommies and the the JJs, and you know, right right through that 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 era, and you know, the Ken McGraths and the Dan Shannons and and, and Gary Kirby's. You know, for early very early in my career and from and the Limerick side, and uh, you know, so lots of. Uh, 
lots of fantastic players, but but uh, one Kelly probably stand out for me. Right, okay. You were there today at the Don Logan and the Rock threw him the dud ball then. Uh, was that one? I thought it was Paul Flynn. Um, no, oh, old Kelly one year. It was a wet, a wet ball, a wet ball. He had a penalty. I'm not, I can't remember the year. Jeez, I should remember it because I was only talking about it a couple of weeks ago. Anyways, uh, I'll move on to number nine here. What yeah, are the... Don Logan and Sully, they were always up to tricks with the with the sitters <laughs> and, uh, you know. They were, there's no doubt. Number nine, what other manager would you like to have played under? Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to play under great managers like, uh, you know, Jimmy Barry and uh, John McCarthy and, and Billy Morgan on the football side. But I'd have to say, you know, Brian Cody, the most successful uh, manager that we, that's, uh, we've seen. Um, you know, I've, over the years, I've only had a few kind of one-on-one conversations with Brian, but uh, I've always, uh, you know, liked his style, liked his approach, liked his directness, uh, no-nonsense kind of uh, way of doing things. And, uh, you know, back in when we became Kenny in 1999, you know, he came into the dressing room after losing two all in a row and the speech he gave us and the respect he showed us and Jimmy Barry that day. Uh, you know, he, he went up in my estimation hugely and I've always had great respect for him since. Very good, very good. Uh, question number 10, where do you keep your, your medals and your All-Stars and your Player of the Years and all your Cork jerseys and all your all your memorabilia? Um, I, I couldn't tell you where, where they all are right now. Um, the I have a couple of the, the All-Stars kind of up on the mantelpiece, but... The other medals are, are in a box somewhere. Um, and again, it, to, to me, it's you know, it's not necessarily about the, the the piece of metal. It's it's more about the the achievement and the uh, yeah. the, the experience of uh, of actually doing it. Um, so you know, my my jerseys have given away probably a lot of the jerseys over the years, um, and uh, I'm sure there's still have a few up in the attic. You so you've no jerseys on display in your house or anything like that. No, no, no. I didn't think it was your. I didn't really think it was your style, um, Brian. Somehow or another. Come here, listen. We've gone way over time, Brian. Thanks very much uh, for for doing the tribute show and congratulations on a brilliant career. I've always been a big fan of yours, so thanks very much for doing it. Thanks very much, Colin. Pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.